Exuta is 5.16.157. Monks, to five persons, talk is ill talk when the appropriate person is confronted. Of what five? Monks, to the faithless, faith talk is ill talk. To the virtueless, virtue talk is ill talk. To the little learned, learned talk is ill talk. To the mean, generosity talk is ill talk. To the foolish, wisdom talk or insight talk is ill talk. And why, monks, is faith talk to the faithless ill talk? Monks, the faithless, when faith talk is talked, aroused, angered, upset, made obstinate, they show temper, ill will and sulkiness. And why? They perceive no achieving of faith in themselves and they get no joy and gladness therefrom. Therefore, to the faithless, faith talk is ill talk. So likewise, to the virtueless, virtue talk is ill talk. To the little learned, learned talk is ill talk. Likewise, to the mean, generosity talk is ill talk. Likewise, to the foolish, when wisdom talk is talked, they are roused, angered, upset, made obstinate, they show temper, ill will and sulkiness. And why? They perceive no achieving of wisdom in themselves, and they get no joy and gladness therefrom. Verily, monks, to these five persons, talk is ill talk when the appropriate person is confronted. It's the end of the sutta. So you see in this sutta, uh, to somebody without faith, uh, and who has no interest to acquire faith, eh? when you talk about faith in the Triple Gems, eh? they are not interested, eh? they might get, even get angry. Just like some people, eh? when they see monks, eh? they think it's bad luck, eh? and they also get angry. And to the virtueless also, somebody who's continually breaking the precepts, eh? you talk about the precepts, they get angry, because they can't keep the precepts. Eh? And then to the little learned people who are not interested in the studies, in the books, eh? you talk to them about studies and you talk about to them about knowledge and all that, eh? they get angry because they are not interested and they it's something like uh, the op- opposite uh, to them. Eh? To the mean and selfish, eh? generosity talk eh? is ill talk. To a selfish person, eh? you talk to him about being generous and all that, nah? he gets angry because he doesn't like to give. Huh? To the foolish also, wisdom talk nah? is ill talk. This reminds me because uh, in the one of the suttas, in the Diga Nikaya, the king of the Nagas, the snake spirit, nah? I think, nah? either the king of the Nagas or the king of the Asuras came to visit the Buddha. And he told the Buddha that he wanted to teach the Buddha a chant, a, a chant. Uh, and uh, so, in this uh, Diga Nikaya, there's a sutta about uh, this uh, king of the Asuras or the Nagas. He came to ask the Buddha, uh, to tell the Buddha that he wanted to teach a chant to the Buddha, so that the Buddha could teach the other monks. The reason, he said, uh, was because his um, those under him, I think the Asuras, he said these Asuras are very fierce and they often kill. 
and they don't like monks because monks always talk about uh, keeping the precepts and they can't keep the precepts and they don't like to keep the precepts they like to kill they like to uh, they are very uh, their sensual desire is very strong and they do a lot of things uh, which are contrary to the Buddha's teachings and they just cannot practice the Buddha's teachings and because of that they don't like the Buddha and his disciples so uh it is possible uh, that if the monks go and stay alone in the forest, uh, that some of these devas uh, might harm the monks. Uh. So to protect the monks, uh, this Asura king, he taught the Buddha this chant uh, so that the monks could use it. Uh. And in this chant, uh, this is called Atanatya Sutta, I think, where the names of all the the Asura leaders, uh, the mighty devas, uh, the great devas are mentioned, and that is a protection for the monks. Uh. Sutta number 5.16.159 Once, while the exalted one was dwelling near Kosambi in Gosita Park, the venerable Udayan, surrounded by a great gathering of laymen, sat teaching Dhamma. Now the Venerable Ananda saw the Venerable Udain so seated teaching, and thereat went to the Exalted One, saluted, and sat down at one side. So seated he said to the Exalted One, Lord, the Venerable Udain, surrounded by a great gathering, teaches Dhamma. And the Exalted One said, Verily, Ananda, not easy is it to teach Dhamma to others. In teaching others Dhamma Ananda, make five things stand up within you, then teach others Dhamma. What five? Teach others Dhamma, thinking, I will talk a talk on the gradual. Teach others Dhamma, thinking, I will talk a talk with the way, with the way or practice in view. Teach others Dhamma, thinking, I will talk a talk out of kindliness. Teach, teach others Dhamma, thinking I will talk a talk not as a means for gain. Teach others Dhamma, thinking I will talk a talk not to my own hurt nor to others. Verily, Ananda, not easy is it to teach Dhamma to others. In teaching others Dhamma, Ananda, make these five things stand up within you. Then teach others Dhamma. As the end of the sutta, the other day we heard one sutta where the Buddha said uh, that uh, he has great reverence uh, for the Dhamma. Even the Dhamma Raja, uh, the Dhamma King, uh, respects the Dhamma as his Raja. So that is why uh, in teaching Dhamma we have to be, uh, to take pains uh, to teach Dhamma. Uh, and the Buddha said uh, these five things. Uh, one is to talk a gradual teaching. Uh, the second one, talk with the practice or the way in view. La. That means uh, beneficial talk. La. Talk out of kindliness. The fourth one, talk not as a means for gain, uh, not with some ulterior motive. La. And the last one, talk not to my own hurt nor to others. That means you don't get personal, la. don't... Uh, um, uh, criticize others uh, on a personal level. Uh, 
But we can criticize Dhamma. In fact, in the suttas uh, earlier, we heard the Buddha said, uh, "What what we know is not Dhamma. We should point out that it is not Dhamma. And what is Dhamma? We should point out as the correct Dhamma." The next sutta is five point seventeen point one six one. The Buddha said, uh, "Monks, there are these five ways of putting away malice or ill will." Uh, whereby all malice arisen in a monk ought to be put away. What five? Monks, in whatsoever person malice is engendered, in him goodwill ought to be made to become more. In this way malice in him ought to be put away. Monks, in whomsoever malice is engendered, in him pity or compassion ought to be made to become more. Equanimity ought to be made to become more. In whomsoever malice is engendered, in that man, unmindfulness, inattention ought to be brought about. In this way, malice in him ought to be put away. Monks, in whomsoever malice is engendered, in that man, the fact that he is the owner of his karma ought to be fixed in mind. And one should think. This reverencer is the owner of his karma, heir to his karma, born of his karma, related to his karma, abides supported by his karma. Whatever karma he shall do, for good or for ill, of that he shall be the heir. In this way, malice in him ought to be put away. Verily, monks, these are the five ways of putting away malice. That's the end of the sutta. This not only applies to monks, eh? in connection with monks, also for lay people. Uh, it is quite easy for ill will uh, to arise uh, against somebody. So the first one, the Buddha said, uh, we should uh, develop good will, metta, uh, and metta meditation is one of the very beneficial meditations. Uh, we should practice, uh, make it a habit uh, to feel good will always. Uh. The second one, uh, we practice uh, compassion or pity. Uh, the next sutta, you can see uh, why the Buddha mentioned compassion. And then the third one is equanimity. Equanimity can be developed stronger if we develop, develop samadhi. If when we practice meditation, uh, when we practice samadhi, equanimity becomes quite pronounced, uh, quite strong. And uh, if we practice samadhi often, uh, it becomes uh, part of our a nature to be tranquil, to be equanimous. And the fourth one, if you if in the the above, the first three ways can't be put into practice. Then we use inattention. That means we just ignore that person in in to, towards whom we feel malice. And the fourth one, we should remember that everybody is the owner of his karma, heir to his karma, born of his karma. Related to his karma, but supported by his karma. So when we think in those terms, uh, when we feel that somebody has done us wrong, then we think uh, that whatever wrong he he does to us, uh, he has to bear the consequences of his wrong action. So that's another way we put down our ill will. So these are the five ways. Eh? The first one, to develop more metta, goodwill. The second one, compassion. The third one, equanimity. The fourth one, inattention. The fifth one, to remember that he's the owner of his karma. The next sutta, 
5.17.162. The Venerable Sariputta addressing the monk said, Reverend Sirs, only this word Reverend Sirs is a translation of the Pali word Avuso. Sometimes that word Avuso is also translated as friend. Reverend Sir, they replied, and he said, Reverend Sirs, there are these five ways of putting away malice, whereby all malice arisen in a monk ought to be put away. What five? There is the case, Reverend Sirs, of the person whose ways are impure in deed, but not in word. In such a person, Sirs, all malice ought to be put away. And one whose ways are impure in word, but pure in deed, and one whose ways are impure both in deed and word, yet from time to time obtains mental clarity, mental calm. And one whose ways are likewise impure, but obtains no such clarity and calm. And lastly, one whose ways are pure both in deed and word, and who obtains mental clarity, mental calm. In each reverences ought malice to be put away. Now of him whose ways are impure in deed, but not in word, how in him ought malice to be put away? Suppose, sirs, a monk who robes himself in dust-heap rags were to see a rag in the carriage way. He would hold on to it with his left foot and spread it out with his right and take and make use of the best of it and go his ways. Just so, sirs, of one whose ways are impure in deed, but pure in word, the ways of deeds that may be impure ought not at that time to be thought on. Let him think at that time on the ways that may be pure. In this way in him ought malice to be put away. And of him whose ways are impure in word but pure in deed, how in him ought malice to be put away? Suppose, sirs, a man tortured by heat, by heat forespent, wearied, craving and thirsty, were to come to a pond overgrown with mossy slime and water plants. He would plunge into that pond, scattering with both hands the moss and plants here and there, and cup his hands and drink and go his ways. Just so, sirs, of one whose ways are impure in word, but pure in deed, the ways of words that may be impure ought not then to be thought on. Let him think then on the ways that may be pure. In this way in him ought malice to be put away. And of him whose ways are impure, both in deed and word, yet from time to time obtains mental clarity, mental calm, how in him ought malice to be put away? Suppose, sirs, a man, tortured by heat and so forth, were to come upon a puddle in a cow's footprint, he might think, here's a cow's footprint puddle, but if I drink of it by hand or cup, I shall stir and churn it up and make it unfit to drink. What if, crouched on all fours, I were to lie and sip as a cow sips, and then go my ways, and he does so? Just so, sirs, of one whose ways are impure, both in deed and word, yet from time to time obtains mental clarity, mental calm, neither the ways of deeds nor the ways of words that may be impure ought to be thought on then, but the mental clarity, the mental calm that he obtains from time to time, let him think then just on that. In this way in him ought malice to be put away. 
and of him whose ways are likewise impure, but obtains no such clarity and calm, how in him ought malice to be put away? Suppose, sirs, a sick and ailing man, grievously ill, were to go along the highway, it might be no, it might be with no village near ahead or near behind, unable to get proper food, to get proper medicine, to get proper attention, to get a guide to some village boundary. And suppose another man also going along the road were to see him. Verily it might raise pity in that man, raise compassion, raise commiseration, so that he might say to himself, Alas, for this man, he ought to have proper food, proper medicine, proper attention. He ought to have a guide to some village. Why? Lest he suffer here wasting and destruction. Even just so, sirs, of one whose ways are impure, who obtains no mental clarity, mental calm, in such a person verily pity ought to arise, compassion ought to arise, commiseration ought to arise, so that he say to himself, Alas, for this venerable sir, he should give up bad habits in deed and make good habits become more, give up bad habits in word, give up bad habits in thought, and make good habits become more. Why? Lest this venerable sir, on the breaking up of the body after death, arise in the wayward way, the ill way, the abyss, hell. In this way, in him ought malice to be put away. And of him whose ways are pure, both in deed and word, and who obtains mental clarity, mental calm, how in him ought malice to be put away? Suppose, sirs, a man tortured by heat, by heat forespent, wearied, craving and thirsty, were to come to a pool, clear, sweet, cool, limpid, a lovely resting place, shaded by all manner of trees. He would plunge into that pool, into that pool bathe and drink, and coming out would sit and lie there in the shade of the trees. Just so, sirs, of one whose ways are pure, both in deed and word, who from time to time obtains mental clarity, mental calm, the ways of deeds, the ways of words, that may be pure at that time, let him think on them then, and the mental clarity, the mental calm, that he obtains from time to time, let him verily think on that then, in this way in him ought malice to be put away. Reverend sirs, when a person calms, comes to be calm throughout, the mind becomes calm. Verily, sirs, these are the five ways of putting away malice, whereby all malice arisen in a monk ought to be put away. That's the end of the sutta. This is one of the uh, suttas uh, where you find the verbal Sariputta teaching the other monks. And it, uh, the Buddha mentioned in one of one or two suttas that the Venerable Sariputta is like his uh, son, just as a wheel-turning king, uh, a universal monarch, has a son, uh, a viceroy sometimes it's called. Uh, it's just so, uh, the Buddha says, uh, so is uh, Sariputta just like his son. And he says that, the Buddha says that the Venerable Sariputta turns the Dhamma wheel uh, perfectly, uh, just like the Buddha himself. Uh. And so here we have a very good sutta where the Venerable Sariputta is telling the monks, uh, when you feel ill will towards another monk, how to get rid of the ill will. And these ways basically are not to think of his bad points, uh, 
and to think of his good points. Uh, especially in a monastery, in a large monastery, uh, we need many monks uh, to keep it running. So uh, sometimes uh, when we live together in a monastery, uh, everyone uh, would have their faults. Uh, and if we keep looking at each other's faults, uh, then uh, quarrels would arise and sometimes uh, come to blows or so. And this has happened uh, in some monasteries in Thailand, I've heard. Uh. So that is why it is uh, very useful to forget about people's bad points uh, and to think of their good points. Uh. Uh, just like the Buddha said, uh, when you come across a dust heap rag, uh, you hold it in one foot uh, and stretch it out with the other foot and then you see which what part of it can be used. Uh. So whatever part can be used, you take it up, the rest you just tear it and throw it away. Uh. So uh, in this way, uh, this uh, this advice is also practical uh, for lay people. Sometimes you work in the office with other people and you need that cooperation. So they might have uh, some faults uh, that you find quite unbearable, but uh, in that case, uh, you have to think of the good points. Uh, and then you find uh, that uh, you can uh, they can still help you quite a lot uh, in spite of their bad points. Uh. Next Sutta is 5.17.166. The Venerable Sariputta said, Herein, sirs, a monk who has achieved virtue, achieved concentration, achieved wisdom, may both completely enter the ending of perception and feeling and may emerge therefrom. This is so. If here in this life he make not the gain of knowledge, he will surely go beyond the Deva community that feed on solid food and arise in the mind-created body, provided he enter and emerge from the ending of perception and feeling. This is so. I'll just stop here for a while. Here, the Venerable Sariputta is talking about the ending of perception and feeling. This is a state, eh? it's a very high uh, state of samadhi, and very few people are supposed to be able to to have this attainment. Only anagamis and arahans are supposed to be able to enter the ending of perception and feeling. When perception and feeling stops, uh, then the normal six consciousness also stops. Uh. So that's why this state uh, is called uh, niroda samapati, attainment of cessation. And here, uh, Sariputta is saying that in this this person, when he enters the the ending of perception and feeling and emerge, uh, if if he does not make the gain of knowledge in this very life, uh, that means if he does not become an arahant, uh, he will go beyond the deva community that feed on solid food and arise in a mind-created body. Uh, this is what uh, our Venerable Sariputta says. Uh, um, there is one sutta in the uh, Anguttara Nikaya 4.172 uh, where it was mentioned uh, that an anagami can be reborn in the in the plane uh, uh, the formless uh, realm, uh, the realm of neither perception nor non-perception was mentioned there. 
So probably um, this might refer to that. Now the Sutta continues. Eh? When he had thus spoken, the Venerable Udayan said to the Venerable Sariputta, This is not so, Venerable Sariputta. Nor happens it that should a monk enter and emerge from the ending of perception and feeling, he will surely go beyond the Deva community that feed on solid food and arise in a mind-pictured body. It is not so. The second time the Venerable Sariputta spoke in like manner to the monks, and a second time the Venerable Udayan contradicted him as before. A third time the Venerable Sariputta spoke in like manner to the monks, and a third time the Venerable Udayan contradicted him. Then the Venerable Sariputta thought, Even unto a third time the Venerable Udayan contradicts me, and no monk supports me. What if I were to go to the Exalted One? And he went to where the Exalted One was, and saluted him, and sat down at one side. So seated, the Venerable Sariputta addressed the monks, speaking even as before. And he repeated exactly what he mentioned before. When he had thus spoken, the Venerable Udayan replied, This is not so, Venerable Sariputta, nor does it happen that if a monk enter and emerge from the ending of perception and feeling, he will surely go beyond the Deva community that feed on solid food and arise in a mind-created body. It is not so. And a second time, the Venerable Sariputta spoke in the same manner to the monks. A second time, the Venerable Udayan contradicted him. Third time, the Venerable Sariputta spoke in the same way to the monks. And a third time, the Venerable Udayan contradicted him as before. Then the Venerable Sariputta thought again, Verily, before the face of the Exalted One, even unto a third time, the Venerable Udayan contradicts me, and no monk supports me. I had best be silent. And so the Venerable Sariputta was silent. Then the Exalted One addressed the Venerable Udayan and said, But who do you hold, Udayan, as a mind-created body? And he replied, Those Devas, Lord, who are formless, perception made. And the Buddha said, Why do you think, Udayan, that the word of a witless fool like you is just the thing to declare? i just stop here for a while. Eh? This is one of the suttas where you find eh, the Buddha sometimes calls the, the monks, eh, calling him a witless fool here. Uh, it's not that the Buddha is so good eh, that he doesn't scold. <laughs> it's uh, appropriate to scold, eh? he will scold. Then the sutta continues. Eh? Then the exalted one addressed the venerable Ananda thus, Is it possible, Ananda, that you can look on with indifference at an elder monk being vexed. Verily, Ananda, compassion grows not from allowing an elder monk to be vexed. Then the Exalted One addressed the monk, saying, Herein monks, a monk who has achieved virtue, achieved concentration, achieved wisdom, may both completely enter the ending of perception and feeling, and may emerge therefrom. This is so. If here in this life he make not the gain of knowledge, he will verily go beyond the Deva community that feed on solid food and arise in a mind-created body, provided he enter and emerge from the ending of perception and feeling. This is so. Thus spoke the Exalted One. And when he had thus spoken, the well-gone one arose and entered the dwelling. 
Now, not long after the, the departure of the Exalted One, the Venerable Ananda went up to the Venerable Upavana and said to him, Just now, Venerable Upavana, some monks were vexing the elder monk, and we never protested. Therefore, wonder not, Venerable Sir, should the Exalted One, after coming from seclusion, bring the matter up and relate the whole affair to the Venerable Upavana. Already even fearfulness has come upon us. And in the evening, after coming out from seclusion, the Exalted One went to the service hall, and he sat down on the seat that was made ready. So seated, he said to the Venerable Upavana, Having how many qualities, Upavana, does an elder among his fellows in the holy life become pious, loved, respected, and what he ought to become? Lord, having five qualities, an elder becomes pious, loved, respected, and what he ought to become. What five? Lord, herein he is virtuous, he is learned, he has a pleasant voice, a good enunciation. At will he obtains to the four states of jhana, and by destroying the asavas he enters and abides in the liberation by mind, the liberation by wisdom. Verily, Lord, having these five qualities, an elder among his fellows in the holy life becomes pious, loved, respected, and what he ought to become. Well said, well said, Upavana, it is even as you say. If these five qualities are not completely found in an elder, will his fellows in the holy life respect, honor, reverence, and venerate him for his broken teeth, his gray hairs, his wrinkled skin? But verily, Upavana, when these five things are found in an elder, then his fellows in the holy life respect him, honor, reverence, and venerate him. That's the end of the sutta. So you see this last part, eh? the Buddha is a bit sarcastic. Eh? He don't venerate an elder monk because of his broken teeth, his grey hairs, his wrinkled skin, eh? but because he's worthy of respect. Eh? So you see this... this uh, this sutta gives you uh, an insight uh, into life during the time of the Buddha. Sometimes uh, you have these uh, little problems uh, in a community of monks uh, where you have a little troublemaker like this uh, uh, Udain. Uh, in the suttas there are a few Udains, uh, quite a number of Udains. Uh, some, are, one or two are quite respectable and then one or two are, seem to be troublemakers.